Hey friends, it's Kara Kay, and this is the Asking for a Friend podcast, a show for the woman who has questions about herself, the church, and the world. We are all asking tough questions that affect us as women in the culture that surrounds us, and we are looking for a safe space to ask them. But don't worry, I know you're only asking for a friend. All right, friends, welcome to another episode of Asking for a Friend. Now, many of us struggle with knowing what God's plan is and and really knowing that God's plan is best for us and he actually has our best interest in mind. So the question that we're diving into today is, can we really trust God's plan for our lives? What does that even look like? Practically, what does that mean for us when we question things or we struggle with this? And I have invited Megan Marshman to join me today, and I'm so excited because I just picked up her book. It actually just came out um, a few weeks ago, and I was so excited because I am all about biblical context and really digging into scriptures and what that means. And so she dives into Jeremiah 29, and a lot of times I feel like the scripture is so overdone, so taken out of context, I mean, put on every graduation card from here to wherever, I mean. It's just out of control, isn't it? (laughs) So um, I'm excited to talk about this today. Okay, so Megan, tell me, let's, before we get into this, let's break down this, this scripture. As you studied it, what did you learn about this, you know, big, well-known scripture in Jeremiah? Yeah, here's what I, I'll tell you, I take the one thing that God continues, even as someone that literally wrote the book on it, continues to remind me is that all scripture is not about us. Yeah. That's right. That is Don't we always try to oh, put ourselves in the story? Oh. <laughs> it's crazy. It is. And and it's and it's human. So yes, it's it one is. of those words so funny. Like I of course I know this truth, yet I still read and still find myself making myself the main character of mm. every story, not just the ones I read in the Bible, but man, oh, right. every big and small moment in my life. It's so easy and our culture is feeding that it's what we're what we're supposed to do right. and it's life sucking and you walk away disappointed from scripture and we feel mm. more confused or we hold on to promises that aren't actually promises and it can feel overwhelming until you recognize okay if it's not about me then what really is it about and then what you find is crazy because he quite literally invites us to be a part of it and when you know what party is inviting you to play it changes your dynamic and lifts the weight of responsibility you've put on your own shoulders to be mm. enough, do enough. Yeah. And it's so freeing. And that's why I wrote the book really was that, man, we would live as free as God intended. Freedom is tough though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That, that has always been a really hard thing for me. I, I'm an Enneagram one. My listeners know this about me. I, I'm all about discipline and detail. Hmm. And, and so freedom has always been one of those things for me that's like unattainable Yes, and it feels so far away because I'm so worried about everything else in the path to that. And so, Ooh, that is my struggle. Let me jump on it because I think I just, I've been studying this word because God talks so much about it. And I'm, I understand as I'm listening to him going, yes, yeah, it is. It, it feels like this wonderful thing that we preach right. we, at church, sit in the audience and we go, or at home, you know, yes, and we, wherever we are. <laughs> and we just say, yes, it's for freedom. God set you free. We mm-hmm. all say yes. And no one knows what it looks like. And even yeah. Jeremiah 29, here's the beauty of it. God invites us practically, which I feel like we all just need. He invites us, anyone who happens to read and listen to his words, he invites us practically 
to actively trust him. And as you do, here's the freedom that's possible. And I just want to paint a picture of it because I need this. I remember reading a book by Ruth Haley Barton years ago that really addressed what's called a breath prayer, which basically I won't go into it in depth, but although I am obsessed with it, what it really means is how do you sit in the presence of God and breathe in his truth, breathe out all that stuff you're carrying, breathe in his truth. And she took, she took me through this really in-depth, okay, what's the personal breath prayer you need to be praying? What do you need to breathe in? What do you need to breathe out? And the breath prayer that to this day, and this for me is really an illustration of what freedom can look like is, here it is, freedom from being merely aware of yourself. So can you imagine walking into a room or a wedding or any social setting and be free from being aware of yourself, how you're being perceived, who you know, what makes you comfortable? Like all the things that we walk into environments all the time. And if that's you and you're not you personally, but anyone listening, if that's you and you find yourself going, yeah, self-conscious, I don't want to admit it, but honestly, I'm really aware of myself a lot. And Mm -hmm. I'm hurt or offended or tired or exhausted. I'm all these things all the time. And freedom seems like so unattainable. The truth from God's word says it's possible. And then he even showcases us how, but it requires obedience oh and that's even harder yes oh it's crazy you mentioned ruth haley um barton i'm actually reading her book sacred rhythms right now that's the one get ready i was gonna say i feel like that fits in this book i probably just haven't gotten to that you haven't and it's so good get ready i can't wait that book has been i've been really focused this year on creating more healthy spiritual rhythms mostly of rest that and what that looks like and that has been I mean that's another conversation for another day but yeah that book is great it is um okay so hope in Jeremiah 29 11 this thing that we read about of hope what does that really look like what is it talking about when Jeremiah talks about hope and what does that mean for us the biblical definition of hope is so much different than our colloquial definition, the definition we use. I hope this happens. I hope mm-hmm. the Cubs win the World Series. I hope <laughs> uh, I don't run out of gas. I right. hope <laughs> right. it's, it basically paints hope as an uncertainty. And that's been the problem. So we read this hope and it's like, that sounds nice. And I sure hope hope is real. you know. And it's yeah. this thing, yet biblical definition is so much different. In fact, it, it, even in Jeremiah 29, 11, it, it actually says hope and future, and they're sim- they're connected, but they're distinct. And I think sometimes we think like, oh, in order to have hope, I have to be confident of the future. I have to, right. I have to know what the plans are. And that's the that's the big confusing part of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven for so many people is, is what it doesn't say. It doesn't say this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, and I'm planning on telling it to you. Yes. And so no wonder we find ourselves with so much anxiety because mm. we feel like we have to control the future. So to live with hope is to have a secure confidence in what is to come and and what isn't promised. So we have to know both what is and what isn't. And see, while, and so I'll, I'll jump right in, man, right yeah. into the, I would say the meat and even the name behind the book, Meant for Good. Where this all came from is this frustration of, okay, so Jeremiah 29 11 says that he knows the plans. Right. And and before we continue on with thinking through the plans for me, and again, us at the center, it's this thing to go, okay, so what do you do, what do you do with the fact that God says he knows them? And he and that's it. Like, what if we just stop the conversation right there? And anyone, wherever you're driving, walking, wherever you're listening, sit with that truth for a second. Hmm. God really knows. He knows how he got you to where you're at. 
He knows how he purposefully wants to use the hard you're in the midst of. He knows and he will. And here's the beautiful thing. We aren't just limited to Jeremiah 29. In fact, in Romans 8, we have another very famous text, but I have to, I have to share this with anyone who's <laughs> listening because this will give you something to actually hold on to and to figure out about how God could use the hard that we're going right. through. Because the truth is, this is a hard season. Romans it 8, is, 28. Yes. Another famous one. We know that in all things, God works for the good. And that might be for some people going, yeah, yeah I can find all the good. I can find the right. silver lining. I say, no, 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 it's so much more because it includes all things. He wants to use all things for good. And if we use, again, the difference between our Americanized definition of good versus biblical. Right. Americanized good is comfortable, safe, easy, secure, Yet that's not what it says at all. In fact, yeah. Romans 8, 29, he goes on to say, and by the way, here's the definition of good, which is this, to form you more into the likeness of his son. So I wonder, I wonder about anyone who's listening, if God really can use all things for good, and that's the plan, then that means he wants to use the hard thing you're going through to form you more into the likeness of Jesus. So of course, he can use heartbreak. Of course. He can use betrayal. Of course, and I don't say it lightly, of course he can use COVID-19. Mm. He could use it all if we'd let him. He doesn't waste anything, but he'll use it if we let him. So the question would be, how do you think God be, might be wanting to use the very thing you're going through to form you more into the likeness of Jesus because the world needs Jesus and God's plan for the world might just be a transformed you. So I wonder even for you, what about you as you're you I love that you picked up the book and you're excited about Jeremiah 29 and God's plans and trust and freedom and all that what does that look like for you yeah I know you're the podcast host and you're supposed to be asking the questions but I, <laughs> I don't wonder. I don't let people ask me questions here I got, you. I got you let's flip it let's flip it that's right that's right oh, that's such a great question and something that's really stood out to me um is just I have struggled a lot with anxiety over the last mm. few years. Um, I've been very open with my listeners about this. And it's just a constant reminder to me that God is constantly using my suffering for good, mm. that he doesn't leave us. He He never has, you know, brought me to this point and just dropped me off and said, good luck, mm -hmm. you know, figure it out on your own. He's always brought people alongside me to help me, just like he's allowing me to speak into other people's lives wow. about this. And so this, what you were talking about, just with this hope that comes with anxiety really stands out to me because it yeah. really does give us that secure future and we don't have to fear what's ahead. And, yeah. and suffering always transforms us. It always does. And yeah. we can let it transform us into the negative or we can let it truly transform us to be more like him. I think I have let some suffering take me down a dark path. I think most people probably have. But then I have, I usually get to the end of that path and say, okay, this isn't where I want to be. I want to be more like you. Let me ask, because I think you're probably, you've you've experienced both. I Like you just said, I loved it. You were so honest, the negative and the positive. Mm. So you're right in the midst of it in a very anxiety-inducing time in right. our life right how do you think god even now and I, the reason i feel like i can ask you this is because you're reading <laughs> something like sacred rhythms which means you long yeah. Yeah. to be transformed you want to create rhythms right. how is god do you think forming you into the likeness of jesus like what character attribute of jesus for you 
mm. with your struggles into this season, do you think God's wanting to form and shape you that obviously we need God's help to, of right. course, get there? Right. What character attribute do you think he's doing in you? Oh, gosh. Rest has been a huge thing for me because I'm I'm a doer. And so I have constantly gone and gone and gone so hard. But God has really been teaching me the importance of slowing down and realizing my lack, realizing my limitations, that I'm not God, that I'm not some form of a God, that I really have all these limitations on me. And when I try to do everything, when I try to control everything, then everything fails. And so just trusting him has been something that he has really been forming in me and and what that looks like. And that's in some of these rhythms of learning how to rest, learning this, just this week, I was reading a lot about discernment and what that looks like of how do I actually make good decisions based on what God wants for me? Because a lot of times we were faced with a decision and either way is good. Like they're all good things. And he's just wanting to, you know, he has these plans for us. He, he does provide this hope for us. And so we just really, as we become more like him, he places the things on us. He gives us these desires to serve him more. And I'm seeing that in my own life as I continue to trust him more when I actually take the time to slow down and rest and not try to be God over myself, my family, my, you know, my kids, my work, all of those things. Yeah, that's good. I'm imagining as you're speaking, there's kind of this like when we're imagining holding my two fists really tightly. Mm-hmm. And yes. I mean, that's such a posture of right when we find ourselves right. trying to be in control. But the, and this was a, this was an awareness for me when I was preparing a message. I remember maybe a year and a half ago on John 15 about Jesus going, yeah. hey, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Yeah. You don't have to stress about holding on. I made right. it this way. And then I had this new picture and it was so helpful for me of opening up my hands, but then not just giving up everything, but holding it. Mm-hmm. And feeling entrusted, because suddenly it can be really beautiful if you are holding your kids, yes, not gripping them, and, right. and they they feel the difference between like oh, you know yeah. when, little, when my little boy gets in trouble and I kind of grip his arm to make sure he knows I'm right there. <laughs> they and, know, yeah, and I think that that's but that's what it feels mm-hmm. like the people around us if we're trying to control everything and everyone is it feels like when you're that little kid and your mom grips your arm. Right. I think the people around us feel the effects of it, but the difference of holding like those really intimate moments even last night my little four and a half he make sure i clarify and a half four and a half year old asked if i wanted to cuddle on the couch and i just thought about this beautiful moment and and it there was nothing that there was nothing tense about it It was just this beautiful and that's the posture that we can really hold in this life is like this cuddling up if you will next to the lord and this rhythm of life that looks a lot more like holding your hands open and then acknowledging okay god even trusted these things into my care my marriage or my friendships mm-hmm. or my responsibilities because we can either look at them like a burden or things we have to control right. or figure right. out or figure out the plan or figure out the future or we just hold them up and say god you know and then that's the beautiful part about Jeremiah 29 is you don't have to stop at verse 11 because yeah. if you do, you'll continue holding on to everything and everyone and trying right. to control. But the minute you keep on reading, you'll see God's invitation, which is this. Do you trust me? Yeah. If so, this is what it looks like. Do you trust me? It's like he's whispering, hey, you can trust me. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like him with Noah, right? Build yeah. a boat. Build no a steering boat. wheel. I'm, I'm going to give you <laughs> lots of things to, 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 uh, to build, but no steering wheel, no rudder. We got right. this. Do you trust me? Do you trust yeah. me? And as he does, you can lay back, if you will, because 
he's given us everything we need in his presence and in himself, but it requires a different posture. So if anyone's listening, feeling like they're gripping their own life, man, feeling that control, just hear this as a word from the Lord that you don't have to. He's not asking that of you. He's entrusted things, but to hold it openly. And there's a different posture. It's not a gripping. It's a holding and then treasuring and admiring what the things he's entrusted into our care. It's just such a, even even as I talk about it, my words and my my tone even change. Of, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, listen to the tenseness and then suddenly yes. <laughs> the holding. And I think we all want to live that way. We just don't know how. And that's the beauty of Jeremiah 29. And that's really the structure of this book, man, is to outline, okay, how do you actually trust him? Not just say that you do, right. but actually do it. Okay, so let's let's sit there for a minute. I, I love to talk about the practical things because I think people can, we can say these things and we can hear these things all day long, but then at the end of the day, it's like, well, how do I do that? So let's talk practically. Mm-hmm. How can women who are listening, they're like gripping so tightly and they just want to trust God. They just yeah. want to know he has hope for them. How can they take active steps to trust him? Yep. Every day. Oh, good question. Here we go. So Jeremiah twenty nine twelve he says, then... You will call upon me, which is a direct contrast to calling upon yourself. So right right off the bat, he says, hey, you're going to call on someone else. You're actually going to need to have a new knee-jerk reaction, Mm -hmm. one that's not control, and come and pray to me. And then he tells us he's going to listen to us. What a kind little insert he does. And I'll get practical with the next verse, which is this. It's this insane promise he gives us. Uh, I love that one uh, song we sing in church these days that goes, all your promises are, yes. Have you heard this one? Yes. yes. And it's a great oh, yeah. one. I just wish the the verses outlined the promises because yeah. otherwise we're singing about them. We're forgetting to hold them. Here's <laughs> one of God's specific promises. It says this, from God speaking, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So let's get practical. If you seek to find God, you will find what you're looking for. But if you seek something else, you might be disappointed. So let's get practical even deeper. If you seek to find God in his word, you'll find him and he's consistent. If you're seeking inspiration or motivation or good feelings, you might walk away from your quiet time disappointed. Mm. Let's, I'm going to put this in every area of life. How about this one? Seek to find God in your family members because his presence is dwelling within and even if he's not dwelling within so let's say you have a friend that does not know the lord they're still made in his image and we can find the good and what's the very best good we can find in anyone else we can find god and i think i think for me that's been a word and a promise in parenting because it's so easy to point out the things they get wrong and discipline is necessary god talks about that also Mm -hmm. but hear this if you seek to find the good you will if you seek to find god and what better encouragement so think of the word encourage encourage means to give courage right so i don't want to just give my son courage to be athletic i don't want to just give him courage about how funny he is although i do want him to be built up and of course in these different areas but or with my friends i don't just want to give them courage to be fashionable yet that's how we encourage our friends a lot versus giving someone courage so for instance in our family we do birthday traditions where we tell the birthday person 
how we see Christ in them because when we want them to search for courage, we want them to run to look more like him. So it gets that practical. Or for yeah. my family at family dinners, we added to the happy, you know, people do high, low, happy crappies, right. mountain valley, all this. <laughs> they're great. They're great. But we added on, how did you see God today? Because of this promise in scripture. And I will tell you, friends, get ready for kids' answers. They're better than ours. Oh, absolutely. Oh, these are just some of the practical ways. And man, that's, I go off on all of this and search the word search of all of these invitations from God on what practical trust looks like. But there's a few that have just begun and have implemented my life, my family, especially in this season where I want to find God because it's easy to find the bad. Yeah. Ooh, that is good. That is very helpful because, yeah, like I said, I think a lot of times we have these conversations that sound really good, <laughs> but actually implementing those practices can be a challenge. And isn't it so encouraging to know that it's not that hard? I think we think we have to take these huge, massive steps and do these incredible practices, but it's just the simple things mm-hmm. of looking where we see God and, and really listening to our kids or you know whatever that looks like so man kids teach us a lot (laughs) oh man you just reminded me i started this new i'm calling it spiritual discipline because why not so i realized there was these negative emotions that were coming out these anger and annoyance in this season Uh and i hated it and i didn't know what to do with it yet i I quite literally have found from God's word that God wants to use everything. So I wonder, mm-hmm. how could he use this? If God really wired us and he allowed for annoyance to even be an option, what in the world am I going to do? And he's been, <laughs> okay, so I chose to do this new thing. Each time I found myself angry or annoyed, those two that I just didn't like, and it was right. it felt kind of rare, but when it was happening, and I realized, of course, emotions get a bad rap because we believe that they're truth, and of course they're not. But at the same time, I don't think emotions are meant to just be overcome. I think they're meant to be learned from. So I, I started doing this thing where each time I was angry or annoyed, I would say, I would step back from the situation, which usually wasn't in the midst of it, but later. And I would say, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? about me how are you how do you want to use this and usually if it was because we've been home and you know with family with my kiddos specifically i was like what do you want to teach me about being your child and the learnings were unbelievable i mean any time i found myself annoyed really god was just wanting to reveal something about my own heart about the how i live in and and how anything annoying it's almost like i see the worst parts about me there and it's easier for me to critique them because then I don't have to feel as bad about mine because theirs looks worse. And then it even uncovers even more pride and I am so okay with recognizing my sin. In fact, I think for too long, I did not see my sin or I compared it and felt not too bad about it. Mm -hmm. And no wonder Jesus is grace. I feel like if I were to hold my hands, it would be like one inch is how big I saw my sin, and that's how big Jesus was would be in my life. So I right. feel like I'm constantly trying to uncover, God, teach me. Teach me how I miss it. And the reason I find freedom in knowing my sin is because God is kind enough to make me aware of it because he doesn't want me to live like it anymore. And if I ignore it, then I'll keep on living as if it doesn't matter, as if it doesn't grieve the Lord, and I'll continue living not at all the best that God designed me for. And he's kind enough, kind, which is a really weird word. He's kind enough to make us aware of our shortcomings because he wants us to know we don't have to keep living like that anymore. And he doesn't want us to. And so I'm finding 
my sin. I'm not sure how I got on the topic of sin, but man, it doesn't feel as scary to me because it's a beautiful reminder of grace and it meets me. And then I find the freedom that I was looking for in sinning in the first place. Good gosh. Whew, that's good. Okay. I have one last question Please. before we start wrapping up. How has the writing of this book, the journey through studying, all of that, how has this promise really transformed you? And what is your hope for women that take this journey? Mm. My hope is that they would know God more. And they would know more about what he's up to and his plans. And they would be less focused on trying to figure out what he's doing for them and more what he's up to and then joining into it and being excited about it because the journey of joining God and his masterful plans of making all things new, of redeeming, of restoring people, of healing brokenness, He's doing really great things. That's the plan. And he invites us to know him more. And as we know him, it's like when you, when you get to know someone, you know how to love them, right? Yeah. I think yeah. If, if you go on this journey, I hope you'll get to experience exactly what I've experienced, which is a deeper love, knowledge, and intimacy with the Lord, and a confidence in how to live really well. And I feel like I'm living in it, and people have to know it. That's why I wrote it down. Oh, that's so good. I am all about giving women resources, practical resources to help them reframe their thinking about the world. So has there been something lately that has helped you? This could be a book, a TV show, a movie, mm -hmm. a podcast, anything that's helped you look at the world in a new way. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I just, I just finished uh, John Mark Comer's Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Yes, I have that on my list. I haven't uh, read it yet. Get ready. Uh, my family, as a result of that book and then sitting in the scriptures behind one of the chapters, my family committed to a Sabbath. Yes, not out of my family does duty. this too. Yeah. So great. Yeah, not out of duty. It's really enjoyable. Yeah. And I, I feel like anytime someone hears the word Sabbath, it's like, Ugh! Like, yeah. should they feel conviction? I don't know. I, people don't know what to think. And I just say, right. oh, no, it's a really warm invitation to something beautiful. It is. And calm and relaxed. Oh, it's so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we used to, like, I used to feel stressed about it thinking, okay, but if I take a day off and I don't work and I don't do these things, how am I going to fit everything in? And now I literally, like we take every Saturday is our Sabbath because my husband's a pastor. And so Sundays are super busy for us, but Saturdays are the best day. And literally all week long, I look forward to Saturday. Yeah. I work toward my rest so that I can rest well. And yeah. it has changed me. And yeah. I mean, I think everyone should do it. Oh, oh. So uh, someone's made the comment, it's in the book of, yeah, if you, if you live one day different, it'll affect how you live all seven. Absolutely. So you nailed it. Yep. So true. Okay. Last question. What is something fun that has brought you joy this week? A surprising joy. Here's what it is. So in the midst of these stay-at-home mandates mm -hmm. and all this crazy world, the thing that surprised me most was the time I look forward to the most is not revolving around an event or a location or right. a friendship. It's just, it, this sounds so crazy. And I, I mean, I would hope a year ago this was my answer, but the truth is it wasn't. I was always looking forward to the next thing. Right. And now looking into the eye, I feel like I'm like eye contact with my two boys. Yeah. Sitting there and just looking at them feels like 
enough. Yeah. And before I feel like I needed something else from them or for them or to do something for them. And now it's just going, I feel like we're finding joy. So like last night we went fishing, we bought a fishing license and I don't really actually like touching fish, (laughs) but you know what I do, you know, I do like is learning how to rest and wait alongside my little boy with expectancy and joy and try hard things and do all the things I want for him, but to model it for him. And I feel like (laughs) I would never call myself a fisherman. I think I like the idea of taking a picture in like the waiters, but I don't love the idea of fishing. But it is an absolute delight when you find joy in the small things and contentment, not in big masterful things, but in what God's already entrusted into my care, which for me is this little family. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. There is something. Okay. So I have three girls and then a little boy. He's our baby. He's he's almost four and a half, just like yours. There is something about a little boy that just completely wrecks you. I mean, I love my girls and I have great relationships with them. They're all so unique. But that little boy, and I have always heard this, but whew, there's something about having a little boy that just... Oh stretches you and teaches you and just melts you so yeah my sister i'll end with this my sister tried challenging herself with i'm gonna say yes to my kids like not necessarily for popsicles but for the sake of jumping into the things they're doing yeah like whether if the if the minute that her son will look to her and go like mom watch she'll just jump in yeah and that is it changes everything oh so friends that's an encouragement yes say yes to the little moments and you know how they are fighting for your attention don't even make them fight just give it away as freely as god's given his attention to you absolutely all right well thank you so much this has been so fun so encouraging to me as i walk away today (laughs) appreciate it i'm humbled i thank you for being someone that asks questions it looks a lot like jesus that's how i want to give you encouragement is he asked a lot of them so keep it up Oh, thank you so much, Megan. This was such an inspiring and encouraging conversation to really know that we can trust God no matter what our suffering looks like, no matter what our story looks like, no matter what our journey looks like, that we can trust him and he does have hope for us. Um, Guys, I want to encourage you to go check out Megan, check out her book. She is, Megan, we didn't really tell you much about her, but she is a teaching pastor at Willow Creek Community Church. She speaks to audiences all over the world. She is just a passionate um, speaker and Bible teacher. And you can learn more about her by going to her website, meganfate.com. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And also, you know, as you know, anything we talked about here today can be found in the show notes as well. So just, you can get that on your app or by going to karakatejames.com slash podcast. And as always, you can follow me on social media. I am at karakay.james. And finally, keep asking questions for a friend. Mm-hmm.